Did you know that the best known female Egyptian ruler, Cleopatra VII, wasn't actually Egyptian? Cleopatra VII was actually Macedonian Greek because the Ptolemies tended to marry within their own bloodline. Hello and welcome to Ancient History Encyclopedia. My name is Kelly and today we're going to take a look at some of the most famous and powerful female pharaohs and queens of ancient Egypt. Ancient Egypt was a civilization where women exercised greater freedom than many other cultures in the ancient world. So it isn't surprising that there were many important female rulers throughout Egypt's expansive history. Before we jump in and discuss these female rulers, it's important to note that although many of these women ruled in their own right, they all required a male from their lineage, whether that be a father or a son who was not yet old enough to rule, to justify their claim to power. This is because of one of the foundational myths of ancient Egypt, where the god Osiris was named the first king, and his son Horus was his successor. Therefore, only males could rule. The women who ruled for 20 plus years, such as Hatshepsut and Cleopatra VII, fully recognised that they needed this male connection to justify their rule. For Hatshepsut, it was her stepson, Thutmose III, and for Cleopatra, it was her father, multiple brother husbands, and two notable Roman generals. These women used their male relationships in a number of ways to legitimise their rule. You have Sobek Neferu, who ignored her dead husband, but instead established a strong connection with her dead father as a reason to continue holding power. You have the idea of a caretaker of a family dynasty when there wasn't an obvious male heir, such as Hatshepsut, who also used her religious position as God's wife of Amun to validate her growing power. And you have the idea of woman as regent, a mother who steps in and rules in place of her son, who is not yet old enough to rule for himself. Succession in ancient Egypt, who was next in line to rule, was determined by the concept of divine kingship, which made sure that the son of the king would be next in line to rule as the new embodiment of the god Horus, even if he was still too young. Who better to guide and keep safe the next king of Egypt than his mother? Let's start off with some of the earlier and maybe not as recognisable female rulers. In the early dynastic period, we have Neith-hotep, who was the wife of the first king of Egypt, Nama, who was also known as Menes. Her dates and most of her life are a bit uncertain, but we know that she is considered the mother of Horaha, the second king of Egypt, and that she ruled independently after the death of Nama and before Horaha was old enough to claim the throne. Although we may not know much about her life, the initial discovery of her tomb led archaeologists to believe that they had found the tomb of either Nama's successor or of a king who had been left off the official list of Egyptian monarchs due to how grand it was. Another queen of this same period who is believed to have ruled on her own is Merneith, wife of Jet and mother of King Den. The grave goods of Merneith suggests that she was not only regent to her young son, but went on to rule independently. The tomb of Merneith reflects the same grandeur and honour fit for a monarch as Neithotep's did, with servant graves, a large underground chamber, and many sacrificial offerings. Both Neithotep and Merneith had their names inscribed on a serek, a clay representation of a royal house, upon which a king's name appeared. 
The Middle Kingdom of Egypt is considered the classic period of Egyptian art and literature, and its 12th dynasty included the reign of Queen Sobek Nefru between circa 1807 and 1802, the first female confirmed by historical texts to have ruled in her own right. Unlike later female rulers, Sobek Nefru did not present herself as a male in keeping with the tradition that only men could rule, but instead chose to reign as a woman. Sobek Nefru was the first monarch to take her throne name from the crocodile god Sobek, which presided over fertility, kingly power, and protected from danger. She is believed to have made additions to the funerary complex at Hawara and built structures at Heracleopolis and Crocodilopolis, and was the last ruler of the powerful 12th dynasty. When she died without an heir in 1802 BCE, it ushered in the weak 13th dynasty and was a period of decline as the country was divided between Egyptians, Nubians and Hyksos. The New Kingdom, however, pulled Egypt back up to its height and was a period with many strong female rulers from the very beginning, starting with the mother of Amose I, Queen Ahotep I. While Amose was campaigning against Nubians, Ahotep put down a bunch of Hyksos sympathisers without consulting her son, and gained considerable respect from the military for doing so independently and successfully. She also held the title of God's Wife of Amun, the female counterpart to the High Priest of Amun, and was the very first woman to do so, although many others would follow her. Moving on to one of the most highly regarded female rulers of ancient Egypt, we come to Hatshepsut, the daughter of Thutmose I and regent of Thutmose III. Hatshepsut was regent for less than seven years when she assumed the title of pharaoh, and although she was co-ruler with Thutmose III, it is undeniable that she was the power and the brains of the duo. During her reign, between 1479 and 1458 BCE, Egypt prospered with Hatshepsut's successful trade ventures, military campaigns, and monumental building projects. Hatshepsut's expedition to Punt is a famous example of her trade ventures, as the exchange between Egypt and Punt marked the first known successful attempt at transplanting foreign fauna. Paintings on the walls of Hatshepsut's mortuary temple, just one of the monumental building projects ascribed to her, shows her successful expedition to Punt and depicts exotic flora, fauna, and luxury goods exchanged between Punt and Egypt. Unlike Sobek Nefru, Hatshepsut chose to portray herself not with female attributes, but in the style of a traditional male pharaoh, often complete with the headdress and beard. After her death, her inscriptions and monuments were defaced or destroyed, and this vandalism is commonly attributed to Thutmose III, who not only backdated his reign to the death of his father, but claimed all of Hatshepsut's victories and accomplishments to himself. He is thought to have done this in order to discourage women in the future from following in Hatshepsut's footsteps. Even though women were highly regarded in the culture, the Egyptians were quite conservative and held tightly to tradition, especially to that of the male monarchs sticking to the model of the first divine king, Osiris. Our next great female monarch is Queen Tie, wife of the pharaoh Amenhotep III and mother of Akhenaten. Tie was featured prominently on monuments built by her husband, even on an announcement of the king's marriage to a foreign princess. 
Images show Tia participating in affairs of the state, and she was known as the Mistress of Upper and Lower Egypt and Mistress of the Two Lands, neither of which were customary titles for the Queen. Unlike the usual depictions of queens as smaller or shorter than the kings, depictions of Tia and Amenhotep III were of equal stature, which in Egyptian art means that they were considered equals. Upon her son Akhenaten's ascension to the throne, Tia became the mother of the king. Her son abolished the ancient Egyptian religion, which many at the time objected to, and moved the capital from Thebes to modern-day Amarna. The letters uncovered at the site detail Tia's continuous involvement in economic affairs through correspondence with foreign nations, whilst Akhenaten was busying himself with his new religion. One of the most iconic Egyptian queens, mostly thanks to her famous bust, was Queen Nefertiti, wife of Akhenaten. Letters from Nefertiti to foreign dignitaries show her involvement in political and economic affairs was at the same level as Tia's. Akhenaten joined his seal with hers in order to show their equality, and Nefertiti may have undertaken responsibilities of the pharaoh whilst Akhenaten was busy reforming his new religion, which made him so unpopular during his reign. There are many surviving images supporting the idea that Nefertiti participated in state affairs and traditional pharaonic duties. These include officiating religious services, moderating diplomatic meetings, receiving foreign dignitaries, and even smiting Egypt's enemies in the role of the king. Another famous queen was Nefertari, not to be mistaken with Nefertiti. Nefertari was the best loved wife of the pharaoh Ramesses II, also known as Ramesses the Great. Nefertari held the position of God's wife of Amun, and during her queenship, she participated in court affairs. The reign of Ramesses II is often claimed to be the pinnacle of Egyptian prosperity, culture, and art, a claim which is supported by the wall paintings from the tomb of Nefertari and the great edifice of Abu Simbel, on which she is also featured. Nefertari was active in the administration of Egypt, and through correspondence with the Hittite queen Peduhepa, further diplomatic exchange between the two nations after Egypt and the Hittites entered into a peace treaty with each other. The final queen on our list is the famous Cleopatra VII of the Ptolemaic dynasty, without whom no list of female Egyptian monarchs would be complete. Cleopatra VII was the final queen of Egypt before it was annexed as a province by Rome. Cleopatra was well-educated and fluent in Greek, Egyptian, and numerous other languages, and had a talent for politics and diplomacy. Unlike her Ptolemaic predecessors who only spoke Greek, Cleopatra embraced the Egyptian language and culture, which helped her communicate with foreign diplomats. Although today she is often considered a great beauty, no ancient writer gives that impression, but instead praises her intelligence, charm, and wit. Her love affairs with both Julius Caesar and Mark Antony have overshadowed her personal accomplishments, but she single-handedly guided Egypt through some of its most difficult times. This recording was brought to you by Ancient History Encyclopedia. For more great articles and interactive content, visit www.ancient.eu. You can find a video version of this article on the YouTube channel The Study of Antiquity and the Middle Ages by following the link in the description below.
Ancient History Encyclopedia is a non-profit organisation. If you would like to support our work, visit www.ancient.eu forward slash support or follow the links in the description below.